it's Stan Veet's History of the Personal Computer. From Altair to IBM, a history of the PC revolution. By Stan Veet, Editor-in-Chief Emeritus, Computer Shopper. Copyright 1993 and 2016 by Stan Veet and A-Books Creativity Incorporated. Read by Randy Kindig, FloppyDays.com. Chapter 7. The Sphere from Bountiful Not getting the Altair to sell in my new computer store was a terrible disappointment. However, I still felt that I could make a go of it. The Altair might have been the first microcomputer available, but now there were others. Coming from a big computer, time-sharing environment, the machine that looked like the most practical to me was called the Sphere, and it was made in a place called Bountiful, Utah. I had no idea where that was, but it did sound very reliable to me. Not only that, but their ads said that the Sphere was a real business computer. It was, in fact, the first real desktop personal computer. It used the Motorola 6800 microprocessor and had a built-in keyboard and CRT so that it did not need a teletype or other terminal. In addition, the Sphere company offered a full line of peripherals, including printers and disk drives. You could buy the Sphere with as much as 32,000 words of memory. Surely this was a real computer, and the one that I should sell to business people. I started calling Sphere to ask about becoming a dealer. Funny, except for Ed Roberts of MITS, when I told any of these companies that I wanted to sell their computers in New York City, I got a lot of attention. The folks at Sphere were no exception. They answered all my questions. Yes, as a dealer, I would get at least a 25% discount. Sure, they had an excellent basic, and all kinds of application programs were going to be written in their basic. I could get a cassette interface to load programs and save data. It was built into the Sphere. All you had to do was add an ordinary cassette recorder with a remote mic control. Even a $30 one would work. The more I heard, the more impressed I was. The Sphere came as either a kit, or you could get a factory-built and tested machine. Sphere had started to advertise in the very first issue of Byte in September 1975. They had previously advertised in Popular Electronics. In the first Byte ad, they offered their introductory offer consisting of three models. The first, a hobbyist 6800 kit with 4K of memory and a keyboard for $650. Then they offered an intelligent system with firmware assembler, editor, loader, 23-key keyboard, and a 16-line by 32-character display as a kit for only $750. Finally, they had a model with 20K memory that ran basic and came with a cassette interface. This cost $1,345. They also offered their CPU board as a standalone control board for computer-controlled applications. It was quite impressive to the world, who knew nothing about microcomputers as yet. By the second issue of Byte, Sphere was advertising on three pages and telling everyone to buy now because after September 30th, the prices were going up. In this issue, Wayne Green, the publisher of Byte, 
was reporting on a trip he made to visit some of these companies to see if they were real. He reported on a visit to Sphere, where Mike Wise, the president of the company, showed him the system, which was on three boards, a CPU, a memory board, and a keyboard character generator and I.O. board. Wayne predicted that the new factory would soon be too small for Sphere because of the great interest in their system. By December, Sphere was placing ads claiming that their complete computer system with BASIC cost less than anyone else's video terminal. Mike Wise also set out across the country visiting computer clubs and demonstrating his computer. In January 1975, I seriously started to acquire lines to sell in a computer store, and of course, I phoned Sphere to talk with them. I first spoke with Mike Wise, but he turned me over to Douglas Hansey, the marketing manager. Doug told me he was making a business trip east to speak with a number of people who were interested in dealerships, and he would contact me in a few weeks. I had divided my time between looking for a store location and looking for a job in case the computer store idea did not work out, so time went very fast. Within a week, I received a frantic phone call from Doug Hansey. He was in New York, and either he had lost or someone had stolen his wallet. He was at the American Express office getting a new card and some money, but he had no identification. I was the only person he knew in New York City who might identify him. I went right down to American Express on 42nd Street and met Doug. At least he said he was Doug, and I had to identify him, although I had never met him. I took a chance because he sounded like the man I had talked with on the phone. With a new American Express card, some money, and the promise that American Express would help him with his missing airline ticket, Doug managed to pull himself together. I took him home and we talked about computers. Doug told me that he had been in Boston to see another dealer who wanted to open a computer store, and strangely enough, he had picked the same name as mine. Doug suggested that I contact Charles Dunning about working together. He told me all about the great plans of Sphere and why the Motorola 6800 was better than the Intel 8080. From everything he said, the Sphere System 3 was a real business computer and just the thing to start a store in New York City. He also suggested that I buy a factory-built machine so I could get started sooner. Doug might have been a hayseed about the ways of New York, but he was a very good salesman. He left with my check for a factory-built Sphere System 3 computer and a System 3 kit. I also ordered three more kits to be paid for COD when they were ready. I was in the computer business. Now all I had to do was find a store. A couple of weeks later, the factory-built Sphere arrived. It had a case, like that of a computer video terminal, with a front screen and keyboard. In the back were three circuit boards interconnected by ribbon cables with tiny connectors at each end. The connectors plugged into ordinary chip sockets on the circuit boards. Emerging from the back was also a thick bundle of wires which ran into a second large metal box. This was never shown in any of the pictures and turned out to be the power supply. Of course, I had never seen a microcomputer, so I had no idea what one should look like. I was impressed with the sphere until I learned more about its ways. 
My wife promptly named it SOSCS, Stan's Own Sphere Computer System, pronounced socks. Now I had a lot to do. First, I had to learn all about programming using the mini-assembler that came in the Sphere's ROM and at the same time get ready to go into a business no one had ever been in before. Frankly, after working with the Sphere, I became somewhat disillusioned. It had a lot of good design features in the circuit boards, but the mechanical assembly turned out to be a nightmare. There was little thought to holding the circuits rigid, and they just stood in slots in a metal guide. To make matters worse, the ribbon cables that connected the boards were always coming out of their sockets. Why someone hadn't thought of using a socket system with a positive lock was a mystery to me. The electronics catalogs were full of them. A careful and workable electronic design was marred by saving a little on sockets. The other problem was the power supply. Located at a distance from the power using boards, it simply did not put out enough power to overcome the voltage drop in the cable and the power demand of all three boards. When Con Edison dropped the power level in New York, the sphere simply didn't work. The promised free basic turned out to be just that, a promise. All we had to work with was the mini-assembler. When I called Sphere with all these problems, they thanked me for all the feedback and said they would correct all the problems. I was told that my computer was the first System 3 they had ever built and that they would replace it with a later model at no cost to me. Meanwhile, I held the boards and connectors in place with the universal cure-all, duct tape, and learned Motorola 6800 machine language. This experience did one thing for me. I learned that I was not the only Tyro in the microcomputer business and that I better not put all my eggs in one basket. I ordered 10 MSI computers. Almost the first day the store was open, a bearded young man came in and looked around. He watched me trying to program the sphere, which refused to compile my code. What are you doing? he asked. Trying to program something into this damn sphere computer, I answered. Your format is wrong, he told me. Who are you, and what do you know about the sphere? I am Dave Levine, and I don't know anything about the sphere, but I do know 6800 Assembler, and your format is wrong. It will never compile that way. I was perfectly willing to give the job to someone else. Here, you try it, I told him. I can't fool with it now. Give me the book, and I will come back tomorrow with it all done. So, I gave him the book, and he left. True to his word, Dave came in the next day just as I was going to lunch. He handed me a sheet of paper with assembler code written all over it. Here, try putting this in, but do it exactly the way I wrote it. The format is just as important as the code. Tell you what, I told him. I'll buy you lunch, and when we come back, you do it. Deal, he replied. Let's go eat sushi. So we went to a place where you sat at a counter and plates of sushi came past you on an endless belt. Dave was very good at grabbing the plates as they went by, and we soon had our fill. When we got back to the store, Dave went behind the counter and entered his program. This time, it compiled. And there, when the program was running, I could type something on the keyboard, and it appeared on the screen. Wonder of wonders. We could not yet save the program, because we had not figured out exactly how to set the tape recorder. It turned out you could not use a $30 tape machine. It had to be a good quality recorder. 
From then on, Dave worked at Computer Mart, that is, whenever he was there. He usually came in at 10 a.m., went to lunch at 12, and left at 3, unless he was interested in something he was working on. Dave became my technical and programming expert and worked with me for years. The sphere kits that they sent me were never complete, and the parts were always backordered. The basic that finally arrived it was terrible. It was so slow that it was impossible to use it for anything practical. If I had depended on the sphere, I would have been out of business in short order. However, I decided to give it one more chance. We were going to exhibit at the first computer show ever held. This was the famous Trenton Computer Show in 1976. I decided that since everyone else would be showing Altair and MSI computers, I would bring the sphere. Secretly, I hoped to sell it at a loss just to get rid of it. We set up our booth and word spread among the attendees that someone was there from Sphere. Just the mention of Sphere set off a firestorm at the show. While Sphere was not too good at building computers, they were great at advertising, and what there was of the computer press at that time was not critical of its few advertisers. Lots of people had bought Sphere computers and computer boards direct from the factory, and almost everyone had a complaint. They all headed to my booth to express their ire in no uncertain terms. It did me no good to explain that I was not from Sphere, but only a dealer from New York. I had to leave the booth and hide. Dave, however, sat at the Sphere and made it work. The only problem was the deck had a big Deck 10 running a model railroad, and every time they gave a demo, they sucked all the power out of the single power line that ran the length of the hall. Everybody's computer crashed to the glee of the deck representatives who knew that all our computers were just toys. Dave did show the irate sphere owners that the machine could be made to work, but he got tired of that after a while and shut down the whole thing. Meanwhile, I was enjoying the show after removing my sphere badge. That show finally convinced me that sphere was completely inept at best, or swindlers at worst, or a bit of both. The sphere just sat on my counter and looked impressive with store ads on the screen. If someone came in impressed by their ads, I pointed out the defects of the machine and sold them an MSI, Soul, or Southwest Tech 6800. They did list me as their New York dealer, and that brought a lot of customers into my store. Sphere was always good at advertising. One day, I received a phone call that completely amazed me. This is the IBM Watson Laboratories Purchasing Department. Are you the Sphere computer dealer in New York? Yes, I answered, but I thought, am I being kidded? Well, we want to buy a Sphere. What do you have? I have a complete System 3 ready to ship, I answered. Fine, the IBM man said. How much is it delivered? It's $2,900 plus $50 for delivery, I quoted him. That would get my money out of the assembled Sphere. When can you ship it to us, Mr. IBM asked. I can ship from stock in five days. Perfect, he answered. I will send you the purchase order today. Here's the number so you can start packing it. When Dave came in, I told him the good news. He told me, I have a lot of work to do before we ship it. Dave worked for two days on the sphere. He was so glad to get rid of it. He cleaned it up like new and installed card guides made from model rail. If Sphere had Dave to do their mechanical design, they would have had a much better computer. 
I packed the Sphere and shipped it to IBM as fast as I could. A week later, I got another phone call from IBM. My heart was in my mouth as I answered. You didn't send us an invoice on your purchase order for one Sphere computer. Oh, I put it in the box with the computer. Well, that's not the proper procedure. Didn't you read the purchase order? Well, yes, but not the print on the back, I told her. That's okay. Just send me an invoice today. I'll send your check right out. I have to pay by the 15th. And that was the end of the sphere. I have no idea what IBM ever did with it, but I bet they laughed, even with all our improvements. Sphere had one last hurrah with something they called Microsphere. This was supposed to be a complete small computer with keyboard, video interface, and software all wrapped up in a white plastic case. The Microsphere was widely advertised for a short time until it was discovered that it was a complete fraud. The pictured computer was made of plaster and Sphere had never built the real thing. The day of, let's advertise something and if we sell enough we'll build it, was over. The industry had moved in the era of competition. Before they went under, Sphere tried to collect for all of the incomplete kit parts they sent me and threatened to sue. Come on to New York and sue, I told them, and packed all their stuff into a box which I sent to Utah. I think the good Mormons who had invested with Sphere became disgusted and forced Mike Wise to resign. Doug Hansey tried to reorganize the company but failed. So Sphere passed into history with their contribution of the first all-in-one desktop personal computer. The first real computer to use that idea was the Radio Shack TRS-80 Model 3. This is David Grealish. Thanks for listening. Please look in the show notes for the link to my article, Remembering Stan Veet. Even though this audiobook podcast is free, it is copyrighted material and owned by the copyright owners. Copyright 1993 and 2016 by Stan Veet and eBooks Creativity Incorporated. Join Randy and I again soon for another chapter from Stan Veet's History of the Personal Computer.